Welcome back to the Badass Literature Society, where badasses come together to rate and review novels recommended by you. Hi, I'm Michael. This is Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We're back for another bonus episode, and this time we've got a special guest today, and we are very excited to be talking to him. We read his debut novel for our episode last month, Dear Monica. Uh, please welcome Samuel DeVell. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Did we say your name right, Samuel? It's Davil, but I'm so Davil. used to it. Everybody's always like DeVell. I'm, <laughs> I'm so used to it at this point. It's However it comes out, it comes out. It's no big deal. <laughs> I thought that as I read it, I was like, damn it, I didn't ask him how to say his last name. Do you go... Do you go by Sam or Samuel? Uh, either is, is totally cool with me, as long as it's not Sammy. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can handle that. <laughs> All right. So, um, Sam, if you want to go ahead and say hi to everybody and introduce yourself real quick, we'll... Uh... Sure. Uh, I'm Sam Dable. Uh I'm an author, an actor. Um, I do a couple of different things. Um, I started writing pretty much when the pandemic started, um, kind of as a creative outlet. Um, acting was kind of put on hold and... and like a lot of other artists at the time, I kind of find, found myself lacking um, drive or intention. And so for a while, I was just kind of floating through the pandemic, hoping that it was going to end, you know, two weeks and it'll be fine. And then six months later, <laughs> it's a little tough. Um, but I like to write kind of with a, with a mental health edge to it. Um, I haven't had necessarily easiest or the hardest life, but I've had a mental health heavy um, conscious life. And, and I like to write about that. And I like to write about from, from stuff that I've experienced or stuff that I've lived, because I feel like that's, that's kind of the truth of, of the nature and truth of what I'm, what I'm writing. Um, there's obviously twists in there and, and fiction applied, but I like to write in the realm of reality um, and with stories that could be true or potentially are true with different names or slightly different um, circumstances. And I do kind of like to write um, with a with a romance side, um, a little bit, I am a little bit of a, a hopeless romantic, and grew up on the rom coms and all of that stuff. So I do have that bone in me, and that's that's something that I like to write about, and I enjoy writing about. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that's really cool. And a lot of that stuff definitely came out in the book too. So, um, mind you, that this is going to be a spoiler free part of it. What would you? If you could explain in a few words, give us like a brief synopsis of Dear Monica. Um, I would say it just chronicles uh, the main character, Charlie's uh, life after Monica leaves him, um, how he deals with them separating her, being gone out of his life. Uh, I like to use the analogy. She was, she was his Swiss army knife. You know, she was his best friend. She was his wife. She was his therapist at times. She was the person that he went and got pizza with. And then they also, the person that he dressed up with went downtown and had three glasses of wine with. So how does he live afterwards losing his Swiss army knife from his life? And what does he do? What is, what is his life like afterwards? How does he deal with her being gone? Is she around? Is she not around? And kind of where that plays into his mental health at the same time chronicles their relationship and what they had together. Yeah, I mean, and before we get jump in too much, um, I did want to thank you. And I, I did mention this on the podcast that we did about the book, but also just um, I feel like the, men the mental health writing from a realistic standpoint doesn't happen very often. Mm. And so I really appreciated it as a mental health practitioner, like reading a novel that had such realism and um, just touched on some really important issues. And so I just think that that's awesome. Thank you for that. I think, I think it's important to write, you know, about reality and write about realism. 
because these are these are true you know people go through this people you know life life is awesome and life is a ton of fun and it's glorious and it's sunshine and then it's also these horrible moments and it's also you know dark rainy days and and that's just the reality of it yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And one of the things we talked about in in the episode over your book too is that uh, was Dear Monica fun to read at times? No. Was it an important conversation, an important thing to read? Absolutely. Um, so so yeah, I, was, that was a great way to describe that. At times it was really difficult to write too. So. <laughs> I, I believe that. Yeah. So like our normal episodes, guys, we're going to split this interview into two sections, uh, a spoiler-free section at the first, and then a spoiler-filled section after that. So if you're wanting to still read Dear Monica, um, you can listen to the first half of the episode safely. We'll uh, we'll avoid spoilers as best we can. Um, so our first question for you today, Sam, is I think, I think Barbara's going to ask. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I know you said that you started writing during the pandemic, but did you ever before that consider writing any time before then or was it just this hit and you're like you know what let me try this no i've i've written before um i just never never had i guess the drive and the intention of, of doing anything with it actually my mom uh, my mom went to prison uh when i was in seventh grade and i started i started a novel or maybe sixth sixth grade i, I started a novel like a self-reflection journal that titled it like Helen back as a sixth grader and and wrote journaling the whole time that she was gone. And then she came back and life was normal and it was good. And I was like, I have this super dramatic, weird sixth grade, like 13, 12 or 13 year old journal. And I ended up getting rid of it and tossing it. Um, but that was the first time that I really like wrote something and, and had it out there. And then I've, I've written scripts before and I've, I've written shorts and, and stuff like that um, with acting monologues and, and that kind of stuff and I've, I've written a lot of letters um i like to kind of send letters to friends or family and people that i care about and so I've, I've done that kind of stuff and written them kind of from a fictional side um or more of like a dramatized side um but, so i have done that stuff before but as far as sitting down to to actually write and and publish and and write something with the intent of other people reading it you know vast majority hopefully reading it I've, I've never really done that all right lauren i think you've got a question as well yes so do you have a favorite author or like are there any authors that you were particularly inspired by yes um i am a huge f scott fitzgerald fan um his metaphors through talking about love and people and and life it's just it's a different level of writing for me. And anytime I'm by myself reading, even just synopsises or phrases that he's written, it's just like, this guy was on a different level with, with imagery and, and the way that he makes you feel from his writing. He's definitely probably my favorite um, author. Um, and recently I finished, um, recently I've been into thrillers and I just finished Alex North's last novel um whispering man that was that was a really good book too that was a really good one um, i like the way that he writes kind of from a mystery side where it keeps you intrigued and there's there's a lot of questions the whole time that you're reading through that keeps you going oh that's cool i'm not familiar with that book i'll have to check that out i'm i read a lot of thrillers too so that uh that sounds interesting um I know you said this is the first book that you, you wrote or the first book you published, I guess, uh, during the pandemic. Do you have any plans for more or have you, are you, have you already started writing something else yeah, that you could share? I do actually. I have one more that's 
finished and then another one that's probably three-fourths of the way done. Um, I actually was probably, I probably would have published the second one now. Um, but honestly, after listening to your guys' podcast the first time through, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hire an additional editor for this second one before it comes out, have them go through it one last time, you know, another time, another pair of eyes um, before we publish through and, and see what happens with that. Um, so I do have one more that's it's written. It's it's another one that's in, in letter form. Um, it's about a soldier who deploys, goes to Afghanistan, um, leaves his wife and child behind, and, and they kind of deal with with the consequences of him being gone for a year and, and what he's seeing and what the wife is dealing with at home while still trying to keep their, their marriage and their romance and that spark there. Um, and then the second oh. one that I have written, it's, it's regular book form, I guess you would call it. I don't know what you would typically call it, but yeah, regular book form. Um, it's kind of, I like COVID, that. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's kind of a COVID romance story um, that I'm about three fourths of the way through and, and I'm really, really happy with it. Nice. Well, hopefully we get the chance to read your future works. I know we talked in our uh, episode that if you ever write anything in the future, we definitely want to read them. So that's exciting. Yeah. And those both sound really interesting too. So thanks. Thanks for sharing a little bit about what they are. Can you kind of give us a hint, like how is your writing process like, or how does that look for you day to day? Yeah, I have an extremely chaotic writing process I would say it's very like <laughs> I just pretty much just like throw up on the page and then I go back through and, and edit through and like I'll get I'll literally get 12 pages down the line and then be like you know what actually I hate all of this I'm gonna go back to this delete and then come back through I like very rarely have any sort of plan um I just have the story in my head and I'm like you know what this is where I want to go with it and then I always tell people that like, I feel like the stories a lot of times they have their own path and their own journey once you start to write them. And if you're open to that and allow yourself to hear that, you like the story takes itself. A lot of the stuff necessarily, like you don't necessarily have to plan because it's like this happens and then this happens and then this happens. Oh, and then I've got an idea for this and then this happens. Then you know what? I've got to this point. Oh, you know what? This should have happened here. I'm going to go back and put this in. And it's like the story kind of, you on this own journey while you write it and I find that that's really fun and interesting and, and I enjoy writing that way because it's like the story's telling itself to me as I write it and and so it's fun to write that way and it's it's kind of eye-opening rather than oh I know what chapter one's going to be about I've you know outlined chapter two I've outlined chapter three um the way it's, it's a lot more difficult it's, it's I spend a lot of time staring at a computer screen but <laughs> When when something comes to and 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 some an avenue opens up, it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's totally eye opening. And there's been times where, you know, an, an avenue opens up and all of a sudden it's three hours later and there's thirty pages done. And then you know the next day I open up my computer and three hours go by and I have seven words written. <laughs> uh, or or I'll write seven pages and then go back and read through it and I'm like this is this is junk. This is trash. Delete. Start over. Um, so I, my writing style is very chaotic, and and really, it's just it's just a lot of throwing up on the page and seeing what sticks. Nice. Well, when you're writing, or when I guess when you're coming up with ideas, do you what comes first to you? Is it like the plot or more the characters? 
Um, usually the plot, usually the main, the main idea of the plot comes first. Um, you know, with, with Dear Monica, I, I knew where I wanted the story to go and I knew kind of what I wanted it to look like. Um, but I guess like the individual stops that came to me while I was writing. So I kind of had, I guess, you know, an, an idea of, of where I wanted to start, where I wanted the middle to be in the end and everything in between just came throughout process of writing it um a lot of it just happened honestly by chance and and randomness and it was fun very cool well uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast sam uh before we wrap this section up can you let our listeners know where they can get a copy of dear monica and where they can find you on social media yes so you can get a copy of dear monica on barnes and noble or amazon um just search either dear monica it's there. Um, it's actually cheaper than most books in the genre. And you can find me on Instagram at Sam Dable. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we want to make sure we got you uh, got a plug in there for that. We're going to so let's, uh, give you a second there, too. Um, but uh, moving on from here, remember, the second part of this podcast is going to include some huge spoilers. Uh, we're talking about this book, some some really big spoilers. Uh, so if you do want to read Dear Monica, stop listening now. Come back and listen to the rest of the interview when you're done. Stuller, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now, back to the show but for those of you sticking around for the spoilers here we go uh before we move on we would like to issue a trigger warning for the following themes mental health problems pregnancy and infant loss suicide substance abuse and terminal illness thank you lauren so the first question we've got here is actually it's actually not even a spoiler question but uh how long did (laughs) it take you to write dear monica um it probably took me Honestly, I had the idea for it for probably about six months um, with, you know, I want to write a story from the from the standpoint of letters and, and kind of from a journal standpoint. And, and once COVID hit, um, I didn't do much, but like hang out on my couch and watch Netflix for a while. And then after a while, when I was like, why haven't I done this yet? I have so much time on my hands. I could do this. And I sat down to actually write it. It really only took maybe three to four weeks um, of about three to four, maybe five hours a day um, of writing. And luckily I was in a position where, you know, I'm an actor, I'm out of work, obviously I have the time to commit to that. And so it was probably three to four weeks before I had the first rough draft done. Um, And then from there I edited uh, probably about five times, sent it out to an editor who had it for about two weeks and then another editor for about two weeks and then I added it one more time. So altogether, probably about three, three and a half, four months um, from start to public uh, publication. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So speaking of what you just mentioned about the, the letter journal format that you did, um, 
I know in our episode we talked about at least for for me when I noticed that it was in that format I was like oh that's kind of it's kind of different mm-hmm. but to be honest I I loved it it was it was awesome the way that you did it was was it was really cool it was a really fun way to read a story what made you decide to write the the story in that format what made you go to the journal or the letter way um actually I was um my girlfriend left for for Christmas last year um and I stayed in New York and I sent her like two or three letters so that she would have them when she came back to her New York address and started them out extremely dramatic, you know, like New York's an awful lot more gray when you're not around and and stuff like this. And I I like wrote these letters and I was like, I read through them afterwards and I was like, these are actually kind of cool. This is kind of a different standpoint. This is kind of cool. And I was thinking about it and, and it kind of hit me and I knew that I wanted to write a story, story like Dear Monica with, kind of kind of plot and the kind of progression and, and stuff like that and I was like this would be a really interesting way and honestly to to write a first book this way it's a lot easier because you don't you don't have all of the fine minute plot detail points and character points you're kind of just thrown right into somebody's journal in somebody's world where you don't necessarily have to create the world around before the story starts the readers just boom in it really intimate, really, really open right away. So honestly, I was like, this will probably be easier to write a book this way than to do it the regular way. And so that's kind of how it all started. Is I kind of jumped into it that way. And then once I got into it, it presented its own problems trying to write a story this way. Um, but that's how it all started off was was me writing her letters and, and thinking this would be a really interesting way to write a book, especially about the kind of the side effects of, of mental health and some of the stuff that, that Charlie was going through with the, with the real intimate and, and kind of the not wanting to talk about, but still talking about stuff. Cause one of the things that I was, I was struggling with before I started writing was how do I show what Charlie's struggling with without him telling another character, you know, because the reality is, is if, if he's going through, depression and and anxiety and and some alcoholism and stuff like that he's probably not gonna go to his best friend and be like oh dude i blacked out last night and woke up at two o'clock in the afternoon he's gonna be like dude you're an adult you have a job what are you what are you doing like that's that's psychotic well how do i come across and and get the reader to understand what he's going through without making it believable and and that's kind of how i how i sat on the letter idea it was definitely effective. Um, we like felt like it was super intimate and just very intentional. And I've read stories in litter format before, but I don't know if either of you guys had Michael and Barbara. No, um, and so, yeah, first one. Yeah. So it, it's one of my, I like that format. It's also makes it um, the pace is easier that way. Because uh, you just like want to keep okay, just one more letter. Oh, it's like two in the morning. Oh, just one more letter, and I just kept yeah. reading. And that's how writing it was too. Was like, I a lot of times I'd find myself writing late at night because it was easier, and I'd be like, I could probably get one more in. What's what, one more is like what a page and a half. I could write one more. It's fine. Um, so it's the same way writing it. I think with that is it was cool to see because it turned into more like an unreliable source because you were hearing Charlie's point of view, but he was also hiding some facts. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we were like arguing or trying to figure out, did you intentionally drop 
hints for readers to pick up on the fact that Monica didn't actually break up with him, but was actually, in fact, dead? Or was that something that just came naturally while in the process of you writing it? No, I definitely did drop some hints, and and that was on purpose. I think, like, I had to... I knew going into it that the reader is probably going to either, one, get really annoyed and be like, this is stupid. I'm done reading about this. I don't care why Monica <laughs> Like, I don't care why Monica left. She did. Whatever. I'm over it. Or they were going to do the opposite of, like, well, what happened? Was she murdered? Did she leave? Was Charlie, Charlie turned into a total psychopath and tried to, like, stalk her and go into, like, you know, you from Netflix and keep her in a cage? Like... You know, what really <laughs> happened? And so I knew that going into it, I was going to have to kind of play with, with what was going on to keep the reader interested. Otherwise, if I'm reading it, I'm like, you know what? At this point, I don't care anymore. She's gone, dude. Like, what, whatever happened, happened. Like, get over it. <laughs> um, so I definitely did play with it a little bit. And and a lot of the stuff with, like, her family and, and the friends and stuff like that, like, I wanted the reader to be like, did she, she just everything up and leave like did she told like what is going on here like where in the world is she and then towards the end when there's only a few pages left it's like she's still gone and it's like like eventually you know what pretty much is going to happen yeah i feel like i went through every single emotion that you just described and <laughs> it was definitely a roller coaster and then i was just gutted at the end like i was just so sad for him but you're, I was so annoyed at him for like the yeah. whole first half of the book. And then I was convinced that she was murdered because <laughs> I am like a crime fiction guru. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I went through all of the things. So you were definitely effective in, <laughs> in all of that. Okay. Yeah, that was very well written because I also felt the same way. At first, I was like, oh, man, he's just one of those guys that just won't get over the fact. And like you feel mm-hmm. kind of bad. And then he keeps going. You're like, OK, come on. And then like the hints really came down. I'm like, there's something weird going on. Yeah. He's not telling me the whole truth. Like mm-hmm. he's becoming unreliable now. But I keep I want to keep reading to see where is he going with this. So mm-hmm. I think you did a really good job with and that wanted, for sure. I wanted Charlie to continue to get a little bit you know more and more chaotic with trying to figure out where she is and and like what's going on with her you know like at one point he's in thailand and it's like dude what are you doing in thailand bro like what why are you there like what in the world is going on so like that was that was something that i wanted to do where it's like you know you can see him getting more and more like to this breaking point um and hopefully that came through and it, it definitely did. Yeah. The, the spiral. And then at the moment I was like, wait, hold on. Is she, is she dead? Like that? It's like, is she dead? I remember talking to Barbara about that. Like, it, it's like, she was ahead of me in the book at the time. I was like, is she dead? She, she wouldn't tell me obviously, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you did a really good job with the hints. It, it made him seem whiny at first, but then you started mm-hmm. picking up on a couple of those and it's like, huh, where's what's, what's happening here. No, he's, he's very whiny. He's, he's, <laughs> uh, if he's your friend. Like you have such a hard time with him. Cause you're like, Dude. <laughs> Like, like, come on, man. Like, like, things happen, and I totally get it, but come on. And that was the thing that I wanted to get through because that's such a parallel to life. You know, like I, my mom went through went through suicide, and that was that was a huge thing for all of us. It's like, you know, come on, like it's not that bad. You know, you have all of this stuff to look at. It's fine. I don't understand it. 
this is getting obnoxious, blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's the reality of the situation. That's, that's literally what everyone goes through because you, you don't understand that if you're not them and in their world. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Moving on from that is uh, mental health is obviously a huge theme in Dear Monica. Why did you think that the topic of mental health was so important to include in your book? Um, I think actually for me, um, a lot of the writing was therapeutic. Um, you know, having gone through what my mom went through and, and being on that journey. My cat's so annoying right now. Um, and being on that journey with her, um, you know, I asked myself after after she committed suicide, you know, like, how did I not do more? How did I not see this coming? You know, like, all of the signs were there. This always happens, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, whatever you want to tell yourself. And, like, writing this, it was it was really therapeutic because it's like everyone feels the same way. Everyone, everyone gets it. Everyone's in that same boat. And it's, if you're not the person going through it and you're not the exact person having those thoughts, you don't get it at all. And so that's, that's what I wanted, um, Charlie. And that's what I wanted to understand too. And so this was really therapeutic for me in getting a lot of my feelings out there and, and kind of coming to terms with, with my own, um, suicidal story. Uh, my own family's suicidal story, not my own personal one. Yeah, so I think that the we talked about it in the podcast uh, that we did over your book, but I picked up on the parallels there too, as far as um, just the character of Charlie going through and just people reacting to him in an intentional way that that it was written that people would be annoyed, just like they are with people who don't understand, and so. I think that's awesome that you were able to um, write this and that it was therapeutic for you from your own experiences. It's just super important. What was the hardest scene for you to write? Do you think? Um, ooh, this is a tough one. I think honestly, I think the first one was the toughest um, from like a story standpoint, because I had a really hard time trying to figure out how to start the story and, and get into why Charlie's writing these letters and, and what the point of them is. Um, I probably wrote 15 to 20 different first letters um, trying to figure out why is this guy writing letters to this, this, this woman who left him and not tell the audience that she's dead. You know, like that's, that's really tough to do. And, and I did finally... But, um, but I think the toughest one for me um, was probably the last one. Um, that's that's a really tough one, um, especially because like I I act, and so a lot of the time when I when I write, um, I use kind of a lot of the same acting techniques, um, and one of them is kind of you know, like substitution or parallels. So I kind of try to put myself in, in the mindset of, of the characters at the same time. And so that last one was, was really challenging and, and really frightening to write and, and heavy. And it felt heavy beforehand, even, even getting into it. You know, I knew that I was going to have to write it and I put it off for a couple of days. And then finally one night was like, okay, tonight's going to be the night I write this one. Let's, let's get into it. Let's do it. And just having to write that stuff on paper and understanding that, you know, this is a guy that I've gone on 
a huge trip with and a huge journey with to make this story and and this is the end of him and part of it was kind of beautiful at the same time because he is being reunited with with the person who he wants to be also you know all of his family and friends and being on the opposite side of that how they're going to feel and and they're going to react to it and that's just that's a really tough moment and putting myself in his shoes where he's he's at his breaking point and he's ready to do what he did it's it was it was really tough and it was really heavy um and then the the epilogue at the end was was pretty challenging too just from a personal standpoint um there was there was a couple more through there like i probably cried six or seven times um writing it me too <laughs> um <laughs> but it was you know and especially knowing like writing it i knew how it was going to end there were definitely scenes that I or letters that I would write and and they would get to me because I know what's what's coming at the end and it was it was it was good because I was like this is going to be good and this is going to be powerful but then at the same time I was like all right I got to put this computer down and and take a break for a little bit because that was that was rough I can imagine just with how heavy it was to read I can't even imagine how heavy that would be to write and have, you know, that personal side too. So I know you talked about your, uh, like the process you use to get into the, sorry, Barbara, to get into the, uh, like the mindset of Charlie. I was going to compliment him and you cut me off. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so I've only ever cried on one book and I was a lot younger when I did. Um, And after reading that, that was the first time that I've cried in a really long time. And I just wanted to compliment you on that because I'm pretty, like, I like to read, I love to read, but I try Mm -hmm. to take myself off of that so I don't get super invested in in stuff. But man, that last letter was just gut-wrenching and just like a punch in the gut and all of the emotions. And then the epilogue that you wrote just really brought it home and I remember I was finishing reading it in bed and I rolled over so Michael couldn't see because I was like must not show what happened in the book so I don't spoil it for him (laughs) so I just like casually rolled over and I'm like um it's a great book yeah you're gonna really like that and he's like what is wrong with you I was like nothing (laughs) so I just want to applaud you on that because that's two books now that have made me cry and the other one was Harry Potter when I was really young. So that I feel like that doesn't even count. Because like when you're young, you cry over everything. So well, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> While we're on that topic, I'll, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever cried during a book, Sam. And I, I, I work from home. I'm actually sitting at the desk I work at. And I, I, I sat here after reading those two chapters. And I just wept at my desk. Like it just, it, it was like, like a gut punch. So it was... And, that actually leads into the question I wanted to ask too, which is I know you, I think what made Charlie feel so real was the process you just described of how you use that same acting techniques to get into the character before you wrote mm-hmm. the letters. Um, and I know you said that that's, that obviously can be heavy depending on which letter you were writing. Do you have a process that you use to, to pull yourself back out of the character at the end when you're done writing, when you're done being Charlie? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll either like go for a walk or, or like, um, at my cat or something like that, where I'm like, you know, Charlie's world is, is Charlie's world. And, and I've got my world and I've, I've got to do something at the end of it to pretty much pull me back into my, world. you know, like that's, that's the reality of the situation. Um, usually I can kind of 
pick things up and drop them from from an acting standpoint. Um, I've only had a couple times in a in a few roles where I've really like had something kind of latch onto me and stick, especially something heavy. Um, but for the most part, it's usually it's usually just about understanding that like that's that world and and doing something that's not in that world to bring you back out. So maybe it's you know calling my sister, talking to my sister, calling my girlfriend, talking to her, calling my dad, having a conversation with somebody that's you know makes it makes you realize that like that is it's it's real and the emotions are real and the thoughts are real, but it is it is also make believe and it is also pretend. Um, and it's it's not actually your world. Um, so that's that's usually what I would do. Um, if I was writing real late at night, honestly, most of the time I'd just kind of go to bed and then, you know, wake up and I wake up in, in my bed, my bedroom. And that's that's kind of how I pulled myself out of it and, and stayed out of it. So I don't know if I'm the only weirdo that does this, but like when I'm reading things, I like to act out scenes sometimes just to see it in my brain. Do you... did? As an actor, does that did that help you write that so you can like actually see the scene? So because you did describe things really well, and I enjoyed that. Like there is one scene in particular where I believe Charlie was laying in bed, and you described like the the sun filtering through the window and, and hitting Monica, and like he just kind of described that. Like, is that something you like to use just for acting purposes? Is if that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a script junkie when it comes to acting. So I'm like I'm heavy on the script and and what's kind of supposed to go through the script and what what story is supposed to be tell, told to the audience from the script. And a lot of the story that's told is also through it, I do a lot of film, so through the picture that's on screen. And so a lot of times when I write, I'm seeing that picture from what the audience is going to see. And I'm like, how does how do I get this picture to show them what I want to show them? That's what I need to write about. And and that's something that I, I think about often in acting is what is the audience supposed to be learning from this scene? Or what is the what is the intention of this scene? What is what is this supposed to do for the story? Okay, that's what we need to bring through. How does that come through? Now we need to figure that out. And and that was a little bit easier writing a story because it's well, what is the intention? What is the audience supposed to learn about this scene? That's what I need to write. And and that was, you know, there wasn't the, let me figure out how to act that. It was just, let me figure out how to write that. Um, so I do often, often writing times, I do, you know, see it in my head and see the picture and see it almost as like a movie um, as I write it out. So I, I know that you said that you knew where you wanted the book to end. Does that mean you already had like a definite idea of exactly or did you kind kind of like toy around with a few things before being like no this is it this is how I wanted it to end no I well I toyed around a lot with the story leading up to the end I knew that I wanted to write a story from letter standpoint with the last letter being a suicide letter um, I knew that I wanted that but as far as like leading up to that like I didn't I didn't necessarily think about how I knew that I wanted Monica to have passed and, and to be gone and not in this world anymore. I didn't know how I wanted that. I didn't know, you know, the stillbirth didn't really come to me until probably about halfway through the writing process. Um, a lot of that stuff like kind of came and, and went and, and was the journey, but I knew that 
you know, I knew that I wanted a story from letters and I knew that I wanted the last letter to be a suicide letter. Um, what he wrote on it and what he wrote about, I didn't, didn't have any idea of, of that. Um, but I knew, like I said, I knew where I wanted, I wanted, I knew where I wanted to end. How I wanted it to end, I wasn't completely sure on that. Did you ever toy with idea of maybe including Monica's point of view or like a letter from her side? Or was it always strictly just Charlie so we could really be surprised? No, I definitely did. Um, I had written out actually a couple of letters from like her dad and, and from her sister. Um, I thought about including at the end kind of a letter from Monica Charlie kind of like asking him to move on and explaining kind of what happened but I had trouble I had trouble kind of implementing that into the story with it still flowing well um, especially with writing from other characters standpoints it it was really challenging to kind of keep the audience on their to- or keep the reader on their toes and not give away what happened um, if I felt like if I wrote from anybody else's standpoint the ending was going to come out um, it was really challenging to write a letter from her sister or from her dad and, and not talk about her passing or, or even write a letter from her and not, not talk about her being gone or, or something along those lines. And so I felt like from Charlie's standpoint, the story flowed the best and had the best pace to it. And, and it just made the most sense. Um, you know, I definitely, definitely played around with that a lot, but at the end it was just, it just made more sense story-wise to keep it all from his perspective. Um, and I think, I think mental health-wise, it was, it was a lot more powerful to kind of keep it all from, from his perspective. And, and it made the end, it made the payoff, um, if you want to call it a payoff, at the end, um, more bigger. Did you intentionally, um, because I, I feel like my perception was that it was kind of written from Charlie's perspective and he kind of had that tunnel vision of um, Monica and just kind of that unhealthy, um, all those mental health struggles. So we didn't learn a whole lot about Charlie's family. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional as far as just that he was so far removed from his support systems? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty intentional. I wanted it to be like very, um, it's, you know, it's like, obviously Charlie paints Monica as this like perfect human. She's, she's so amazing. She's flawless. And it's like, nobody's ever like that. That's, that's not real. That's not how people are. Everybody has their flaws. Every relationship has fights. Every relationship has problems, but I wanted it as like, he has gone through so much and lost so much of himself that he's just made her to be this, this perfect human for him. And, and at the end of the day, nobody else is ever going to replace the spots that she she was in his life. And I, I, did, I wanted that on purpose um, to show the gravitude, the gravity of what people go through and, and the reality of, of people's loss and, and their grief. Um, I kind of had Charlie as this idea of kind of like a floater and somebody who didn't necessarily have much before her, didn't have a lot of base, didn't have a strong family and then kind of latched onto her. Um, and she became his, his home, his family. And then she unfortunately passed and left. And it was the first time that he had ever had that. And, and he didn't, he didn't know how to get it again. He didn't know 
you know, he didn't know what to do without it because he had had it for a time now. And, and that was kind of the idea. Um, obviously, Monica's not perfect and she's not flawless. He was so caught up in, in the loss of her and the idea of not understanding what you have until you lose it, that for him in those moments after her, after her passing, that she was for him. Which is a super common phenomenon for people that are dealing with grief. So I thought that was really well done, too. We do have our final question, I think, from Barbara. For our final question, we wanted to give you the chance to partake in our badass character award that we always do, Um, except for your episode, because we thought that probably would be a little weird to be like, here's a badass character award, Charlie, you know, so we had to skip on that one. But so we normally pick who the most badass character is uh, for each of us in the book that we're reading. Um, and we just wanted to put a little fun spin on this. So we want to ask you a similar question, but obviously not for your own book. Um, so who would you consider the most badass character from any book you've ever read and why? Oh, um, Ove from a man called Ove. Um, he's just, I so love that awesome. book. <laughs> yeah. He's just so awesome. And, and cool and he learns so much about life throughout the whole story and it's kind of like honestly it's kind of a parallel with charlie except for it goes in the opposite direction um fortunate for him unfortunate for charlie um but he just you know he keeps going through life and learning these moments and and that's just such a fun book and it's awesome awesome amazingly written and it's it's a good read it's it's funny it's cute it's sad it's it's like everything in between. And he's just, he's just a total badass. Um, he's awesome. He's also just hilarious. He's such a character. I love that one. We were literally just talking about that book like last <laughs> night and I was telling them that they need to read it because I really enjoyed that book. He is a badass. I it's like such that a good too. one. It's a great, it's a great book and it's another easy read. You get lost in it and then you're 70 pages deep and you're like, Oh, what happened the last hour? yes it definitely is well we really appreciate you joining us on the pod um before we wrap this up can you let our listeners know one more time where they can get a copy of your book dear monica and where they can find you on social media yes uh you can find dear monica on amazon and barnes and noble and you can find me on instagram at sam davel um and then i just want to say one more time thank you guys so much again for inviting me on here and and also um you know reading my novel and and talking about it and and honestly just being really awesome people i really appreciate it well we will definitely keep an eye out for your next book to add to our list because uh we we really enjoyed the the first one and so we really appreciate you coming on and and providing us with copies of your novel and just the opportunity to do this i did want to mention i thought this was the best written mental health perspective because you can really tell that you're writing from a perspective that you've at least experienced it not maybe you personally but someone close to you because I feel like that's a lot what's lacking in certain books nowadays where they try to write about mental health or anything like that and it just comes off not very sincere Um, and I think you've done the best job that I've written. Like I could, you could really feel what Charlie was feeling. It was very palpable at times and you could tell 
throughout the letters, how he was spiraling further and further and how he was keeping that from his friends by saying like, you know, oh yeah, I told her I was doing okay. Like, this is really what I want. You know, it was just, I I thought you did a very good job. So um, it was really interesting to read that. And I think it's a very important thing for people to realize that you telling your friends like, oh, you know, get over yourself. It's fine. She'll, you know, you'll find someone else. Like we don't realize we do that to people until it's a little too late. And I think you did a good job of describing that in the book or at least showing that in the book. So thank you so much for that. I agree. And nobody makes Barbara cry. So (laughs) (laughs) it's true. I, I, it's true. And I, oh, you got me there. Yeah, I didn't even know that happened, the whole rollover. I, d- I didn't want you to because I was like, if I start crying, you're going to know something bad happened in the book. And I didn't want to spoil it because I was such a – I hate saying such a good ending because obviously that's not what you want to happen to Charlie. But it was such an important ending. Uh, so I was really trying not to spoil it. So, yep, I, uh, I'm glad I uh, rolled over and <laughs> pretended to cough. It was like nothing's <laughs> happening. <laughs> But, uh, but Sam, thanks so much for coming on. We loved reading your book uh, and talking about it. And it was awesome that you were, you agreed to come on and talk to us too. Um, so we, we really appreciate it. Yeah. And let us know when your next one comes out. Cause I'm very, like, I'm very interested to read more from you and, and support you in your endeavors as well. Yes. Of course. yes. Thank you guys so much.